Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Isaiah 66 and verse number one. Isaiah 66, verse number one. Thus saith the Lord, notice the Lord Jehovah, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. How about that, putting it in perspective? Uh, This is what he rests his feet upon. And there's a whole lot of turmoil in the earth, but... Uh, It is God's. Where is uh, the house that ye built unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart, and trembleth at my word. You get all the way to the end of the book of Isaiah, and there's all sorts of turmoil that's going on with the Israelites and their response to God. And uh, sometimes the Israelites thought, well, uh, we're God's chosen people. Uh, God will always look at uh, me. And he says this, to this man am I going to look, to the one that has a poor and a contrite, broken heart, and the one that trembles at my word. God's heart has always been to save and bring all men to himself. And he's saying, hey, this is a man. You don't get any special favors with God. This is the man to whom I will look. And just as we think about the book of Isaiah, it is an incredibly important book in the midst of the, in the, midst of the, the major prophets. And as we think of Isaiah, Isaiah's name means this. It means the salvation of Jehovah, the salvation of Jehovah. Now, we've studied through several of the sections of the Bible. We've studied through the first, the law and the Pentateuch, uh, which is Genesis through Deuteronomy. We've studied through the history, which is Joshua through Esther. We've studied through the wisdom books, which is the uh, Job through the Song of Solomon. We just finished it up the last time we were together on Wednesday night. And we have studied, are studying the major prophets. We'll get to the minor prophets, but we're studying the major prophets now. We'll break this up and just look at Isaiah tonight. But Isaiah means... The salvation of Jehovah. Many times within the book of Isaiah, we find the the term uh, salvation coming up. It's a major theme that God is trying to bring across. He wants to bring his people to salvation. He wants to save them and rescue them. And he wants to rescue the whole earth. Now, it's interesting, as we think of Isaiah, Isaiah apparently was from a leading family. And why is that? It is most likely because he, he... uh, preaches and ministers across many kings. So he's, he's probably from a leading family. Uh, he, he deals across several different Jewish kings. Uh, according to chapter 8 and verse number 3, he, uh, he's married. He had uh, two, at least two sons, chapter 7 and verse number 3, as well as chapter 8. He began his ministry close to the reign of Uzziah. Do you remember Isaiah chapter number 6? I saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. One of my favorite uh, chapters in Scripture. That interaction between Isaiah and God. 
And what an amazing time. But he, that, that death of Uzziah really shook him. There was, there, was, uh, there was a time in that moment where he really saw God and had a moment with God that was pivotal for his ministry. He preached until the turn of the century. Uh, tradition tells us that, that, uh, that Isaiah was uh, sawn asunder, that he was, a, uh, he was uh, martyred for his faith and for following after God. But Isaiah was a, was a man who followed after God. He ministered to the southern, uh, the southern kingdoms. Now remember, when we think about the southern kingdoms, guys, if you'll give me the map, remember how the two tribes down there at the southern kingdom and this divided kingdom right after Solomon uh, the, the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, Israel, which is uh, called uh, also the northern kingdom, had Samaria as its, as, its, um, as its capital. Judah had Jerusalem as its capital. But uh, primarily, Isaiah was to uh, the southern kingdom. He ministered unto the southern kingdom. So that was his primary focus. And anytime in Scripture you see uh, uh, Israel... Uh, especially in the kings where we're dealing with the divided kingdom. Israel refers to the northern, Judah refers to the southern, and you can kind of keep that as in mind as you process that. But Isaiah dealt with the uh, Judah and the southern kingdom. That was his ministry, uh, ministry place where God had called him. G. Campbell Morgan says this about the, the prophet Isaiah. He says, The whole story of the prophet Isaiah, as it is revealed to us in this book, is that of a man who spoke to an inattentive age an age that had lost its attention, or to an age which, if it was attentive, mocked him and refused to obey his message until, as the prophetic period drew to a close, he inquired in anguish, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So in a lot of ways, as we think of Isaiah, he was prophesying and preaching and ministering before the judgment of God was going to come to full realization. And in, in reality, uh, his ministry kind of uh, is, is something that we can experience even right now in, in our day uh, of warning and warning. Uh, stop people, uh, look to God, follow after him, do the right thing. And, uh, and he had a, quite an interesting ministry uh, there in the southern kingdom. Now, as we think about Isaiah, we're just going to overview it tonight. I want you to think Isaiah 12 and verse number 2 in your notes tonight. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah, notice the emphasis there, Lord in all caps, the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Again, just uh, reiterating this fact that this, this dominating theme throughout the book, though it had two focuses in its message, the dominating theme is this, this one of salvation. 28 times the word salvation is mentioned within the book of Isaiah. The time frame is from 740 B.C. to uh, 680 B.C. And so we find that he was ministering among the kings or uh, in, in uh, the time of the kings of Uzziah, uh, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Most of us probably know uh, the story of Hezekiah, and that is given in history a little later on in the book. But Isaiah lived in Jerusalem in the latter half of the divided kingdom, uh, and he prophesied nearly or around 100 years before the exile. So he had that time ahead of the exile. You know, we never know when the hand of God's judgment is going to fall in full. We don't know that. And the point is that we must be faithful as God's people in this hour, no matter what is coming down the road. We must be faithful to um, preach and proclaim the truth 
uh, in this hour to, uh, to, a, to a people that are heading towards God's judgment. Every person on earth that does not know God is heading towards the judgment, eternal judgment, the lake of fire. So we, have, uh, we, have, uh, we don't know when that day comes for each person. We don't know when the final, the final hour is, but we must be faithful like an Isaiah to um, prophesy, to preach, to declare the, on the wonderful words of the Lord. And so Isaiah was God's messenger to the leaders of Jerusalem, which is the capital, and also to the people of, of Judah. He was the messenger that God had designed for that place. And that's another thing God has given us, each one of us, a place in which we are to spread the message. Uh, you might live outside of the city of Kettering. Your, your mission field is that neighborhood. Uh, your mission field is that workplace. Your mission field is where God has placed you. That's the place where you declare the message. God put Isaiah in Judah. That was his place of ministry. What's your place of ministry? And take that on with, uh, with, uh, with your whole heart. Now, as you think about Sometimes we, uh, we get confused in how the whole Bible's ordered out. And so as we were going through the books of history, we looked at First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. So Isaiah parallels First, uh, uh, Second Kings and Second uh, Chronicles. And so as you think about how that all fits in, just think Isaiah's with Second Kings and Second Chronicles. It, 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 it goes along with those two books. And again, those kings that we mentioned, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, uh, and Hezekiah. Now, his, his message was twofold. Uh, the first part of the book, we'll, we'll get into this in a moment, but the first part of the book really deals with the judgment of God. There's judgment coming. And uh, that's not the pretty picture. And by the way, this kind of mirrors uh, the, gospel, the gospel presentation, right? Uh, there's judgment. Now, we often start off with the love of God, the holiness of God, and the love of God. But we have to deal with the fact that there is judgment that is upon every person. John 3.18 tells us that those that have not believed are condemned already because they've not believed. So there's judgment, and so he is announcing that. And the judgment that is particular to the people of, of, of Judah is this, that if they continued in their rebellion, their rebellion would lead to the Assyrians and the Babylonians coming at a point in time and bringing judgment, God's judgment upon them. Now, the second part, the second part of, the, of the, the message that Isaiah brought was one of hope. And it was one of hope in the fact that the suffering servant, God would send a, a new servant, a, a suffering servant, uh, who would come and would receive the, the penalty, the, the wrath of God for the sins of the people. And we all understand that to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the, uh, Isaiah had a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to prophesy, to declare the coming suffering servant. But not just that, there was hope in the fact that God would absolutely fulfill his, his promise to David, the covenant he made to David, and that same suffering servant would one day sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and would rule and in a perfect millennium, in a perfect 1,000 years, he would rule with a rod of iron, and he would rule the world from that place, not tolerating uh, the evil and the rebellion. And so all that would be fulfilled. So this was a message of hope. God had not given up. God was not done with his people. Though judgment was coming, God is not done with his people. And by the way, God is still not done with his people. And God asks us as, as, uh, as individuals to bless Israel, to, to pray for the peace of Israel, and though uh, they have spread 
spurned God and they have rejected God and they rejected the Messiah. How sad that that is. We are still to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which is ultimately them accepting the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ himself. But he's not done with them. There's, their day is still coming. So there's a part of, of, of Isaiah, that uh, the part of that message of hope that has already been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ in the first advent and, in, and yet to be fulfilled in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when he sets up the, the millennial, uh, his millennial reign. Um, Ian Blakelock said it this way uh, when thinking about the book of Isaiah. We see Isaiah moved with fearless dignity through the chaos of his day, firm in quiet faith, sure in his God. You have a man who is standing at the precipice of God's judgment, and yet Isaiah just moves forward with that firm, dignified faith. I trust the hand of God. I'm going to uphold God. You know, much of that goes back to Isaiah chapter 6 when he got a glimpse of God. It changed him. Friends, we will be of no use to this world unless our eyes are on Jesus Christ. And when our eyes are on Jesus Christ, what does the Bible say? We're changed from glory to glory. We're changed into his image. But Hebrews tells us, unless we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, we will be faint and wearied in the way. And every one of us, I guarantee every one of us, have, have come into uh, the realization of our own frailties, even in this week. When we look at the world falling apart all around us and all the, the trouble that's going on, if we get our eyes on people, if we get our eyes on the politicians, if we get our eyes on the enemies of our country, we get our eyes on the Satanists, we will be wearied and faint in our mind every time. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And that change, that moment in Isaiah 6, changed everything about Isaiah. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. How do you see Jesus tonight? Is he the ruler of all? Of all? Is he the one to whom everyone is going to bow the knee to? Yes, he is. So as we think of Isaiah, there's two, there's two main sections of the book of Isaiah, part one and part two. Okay, that's, that's pretty uh, straightforward. Part one and part two. Let's break this apart for a few moments here tonight. Part one really deals with pre-exile before. He's announcing, he's saying, hey, this is coming. If you don't listen, this is coming. The judgment of God is going to come. And so this is the part of uh, the story, of the narrative, of the, uh, of the, the time frame that Isaiah personally experienced this is this is Isaiah's life and so as we think about this this is the the time when the Assyrians were the greatest and dominant enemy of of the people of Judah chapters 1 through 12 in this larger section of part 1 is uh, chapters 1 through 39 but looking specifically at chapters 1 through 12, let's just break down and take some time to look through this uh, tonight. You can follow along in your, in your guide. But uh, we really see the old Jerusalem's rebellion against God, the idolatry and injustice that is going on in the streets of Jerusalem. I, uh, I go back oftentimes to the Old Testament to realize God despises injustice. And we think that God has changed. God has not changed today. The injustice that goes on, people that are sitting in prison to, uh, to hush them uh, from, from telling stories that uh, no one wants to untold, or people that have died because they, they needed to be hushed. Uh, evil in high places. God despises injustice. God despises injustice in our own lives. Do you remember reading through the book of Proverbs where God despises uh, uh, unjust weights? 
Every time I go to the gas station, I'll, I'll notice that there's a little seal there from the, the, on the county auditor that says, hey, we've come out, we've tested, we've made sure that when you pay for a gallon of gas, you're actually getting a gallon of gas. I was buying some uh, fabric to recover our dining room chairs, and I was at Hobby Lobby, and I noticed that seal there at Hobby Lobby at the fabric table. Ladies, you want to know that you're getting a full yard. Well, Proverbs talks about that. God hates injustice. God hates deceit. He hates unjust balances and all those things. He saw the, uh, in Jerusalem, and it was rebellion ultimately against Almighty God. And so it is in it today. It is, in, it is rebellion against Almighty God. But after being conquered, uh, we, we see the new Jerusalem's justice and peace there in chapters 1 through 12. So old turns into new, and that's a continuing story throughout the you know, narrative throughout the book of Isaiah. God taking what is old and against him, turning it into what is new uh, through, on, through the, the power of himself. And so Isaiah chapter 6, as we think about that, I've already mentioned some of that, but Isaiah has that vision of God's throne. He is, he is painfully aware of his own sinfulness at that moment. Painfully aware. Uh, he expects to be destroyed. The idea that, that in the, the presence of God, we're just kind of casual and you know, we, don't, we don't have to deal with our sin. Friends, that is being perpetrated throughout the, the modern seeker-sensitive church. That you can just come into the presence of God, you, you can gather that you don't need, there's no need for change. When we get into the presence of God, when we have the, uh, the realization that God is, well, what was just testified a moment ago, God moved my heart. I, I heard about the need, and so I witness, right? right? When we get into the presence of God, things start changing. And that's what happened in his life. He thought he was going to be destroyed, but God purifies him and commissions him, commissions him to preach to an unrepentant Israel. <laughs> Think about that. Jeremiah had that ministry as well. He's called the weeping prophet, preaching to an unrepentant people. But God will continue to stay true to his promise. He will preserve a holy seed, a remnant that would continue forward. Chapters 7 through 12, we see Ahaz's downfall is announced. Assyria will first devastate Israel, uh, uh, followed by uh, Babylon. Chapter number 7, we see this, uh, this promise that is made, a sign that is given. Remember Isaiah 7 and verse number 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. God giving that sign, again, just a, a, a token of his of what God's plan was. He, he would be empowered by God. He would uh, one day rule the world from Jerusalem and a new creation. All, the, all this is hopeful, but the timing is vague. You know, they didn't fully understand all the ins and outs of this and how this was going to go. If you think about how many of these Old Testament prophets uh, looked at future events, oftentimes they were, they were looking at kind of the peaks, the highlights. And even in, that, even in that time frame or those chapters, you see some of that going on where they saw the first advent and the second advent and they, 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 mixed, them, uh, they mixed them together because they saw the, kind of the peaks but not the valleys in, be, uh, in between. And so the timing is somewhat vague. So we look at chapters 13 through 23, we see the fall of Babylon and as well of Israel's neighbors. Uh, Isaiah was showing that the conquering kingdoms would be in Indeed, temporary. Why? Because no nation that sets itself against God lasts. 
We can be sure of that. All nations who defy God will fail. And that's a scary thing to be living in a nation that is defying, uh, defying God. Chapters 24 and verse 20, uh, and as, uh, through verse, or chapter 27, uh, we see really uh, a rebellious humanity that's destined for ruin. We also see uh, that one day uh, that, that, that this would be replaced with God's city, a new Jerusalem where God would reign over all nations. No more death, no more suffering. Aren't you looking forward to the millennium? I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to eternity in heaven. But the millennium is going to be really awesome. And we're going to be there and ruling with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Isaiah's message was for all people of all time. This is what is, this is, what is coming. And God will make all things new. And he will rule in righteous judgment. Chapters 28 through 35, there's the accusation from God against, against Jerusalem's leader that they had turned to Egypt for help. They looked to the world for help. They looked to the arm of flesh for help. And God said, no, no, only repentance and returning to me will be your savior. Only turning back to me. And that, boy, I just remember, and I've been thinking about this throughout the day, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we feel sometimes we got to get the world all, you know, all back in shape. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their, um, their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. So they're looking, well, where can we get help? Where can we get our allies? Who, who's going to help us out? No, God says, no, I, I need you to turn back to me and repent. And that's the need in every one of our lives. We can oftentimes look to the arm of flesh. What, you know, what self-help book, what podcast, what person can I go find help in? Turn to God. Turn to God. Humble yourself before God. God, I need you. I've strayed from you. God, I need you in this instance. I don't know what to do. Isaiah 36 through 38, Hezekiah rises up as king of Jerusalem. The Assyrians invade. Do you remember what Hezekiah did? What did he do when he received that letter? He ran to the house of the Lord. He lays it all out. And he, he, he said, you see this, Lord? You see this letter? And he goes there and he seeks God. What a, what a helpful reminder from history from a man who was not perfect, but from a man who sought God. Oh, how we ought to do the same when we see the enemies threatening. Lord, you see their threatenings. You see what they're proposing against us. You remember how God miraculously miraculously saved the city. God can do amazing things when we trust him. Don't forget that this week. What are you going through? God can do amazing things when we simply trust him and put it in his hands. Hezekiah, in chapter 39, he hosts the Babylonians. I, uh, I used to, growing up, listen to your story hours. Uh, how many of you know what your story hours are? Okay, so, some of you. We had them before there were CDs before they were mp3s we had this big white case that was uh, that opened up and it had um, two or three shelves on each side and it was big it was like um, wood wrapped over with canvas kind of one of those old style things inside it was velvety red i can just picture this thing opening up and on one side you had all the bible stories from your story and on the other side you had all those stories from history but I, I, I remember vividly the story about Hezekiah and the Babylonians coming over and him opening up, uh, opening up the, the palace and giving them a tour of everything and just showing all that God had given him. And you know what? God comes to him through the prophet and says, hey, listen, you've, show, uh, you've shown all this. And, and Isaiah predicted 
that the Babylonians would remember this and they would come back and they would indeed, they would plunder, uh, plunder Jerusalem. And they did that. A hundred years later, Babylon invades. And that's, that's what happened. And so it's an amazing thing that even as that Hezekiah saw so much good from God, God gave him an extension of his life. Do you remember that? God gave him an extension of his life. But then again, at the, towards the end, he turns back in, in pride, receiving the blessings, the blessings from God. He received them, and then he began to boast about them. Isn't that so much what we do? We take the blessings of God, and before a world that knows nothing of God, we, we act like we're something. And it, it always brings our downfall and our hurt. And uh, oh, that Hezekiah would have remained humble before the Lord. Isaiah had to confront, confront him. So as we think about that, that leads us through this, this time period where he's prophesying, he's declaring this is pre-exile, he's experiencing all of this, and he, uh, he gets to the end of this, and he obviously goes to be with the Lord, and uh, well, I, I need to say this. He, he begins to change, uh, change his tune and begin to prophesy of things that were going to come in the future. So this is really part number two as we, as we think about this. Part number two covers chapters 40 through 66. It's the post-exile promises. What was God going to do on the other uh, side of this judgment? Now, this is the part that is prophesied by Isaiah. Now, think about this. In the midst of, of the warnings of judgment to come, God is still giving hope. God is still giving hope. Isn't that good about God? It's amazing. God always leaves us with hope. There's always a way back to God. Now, the primary enemy during this time would be Babylon. That's what, that's what Isaiah was predicting as a result of what, what uh, Hezekiah did. The primary enemy would be Babylon. Now, Chapters 40 through 48, there's this announcement of hope after the, the exile uh, that God would uh, allow the people to come back. The exile would end. There's an end to God's chastening. There's an end to the judgment. And uh, they, would, they would turn back to God. The people would be invited to return home and someday enjoy God's uh, kingdom. The, the voice in these chapters is after the exile. That's just kind of the, the tone of this, after the exile. Isaiah died 150 years before, um, before it happened. So he didn't get to see all this come to, uh, come to pass. But he ought to prophesy about it. And you know what's amazing in these chapters 40 through 48? Well, uh, hope should have blossomed in their hearts and they should have been encouraged by the, the hope that God was trying to give them uh, at the end of the exile, the people complained. They lost their faith. They alleged that God had forgotten them. Isn't that just like us? We're in the midst of, uh, of time, and, and God isn't moving on our timetable. And we begin to say, no, God's forgotten us. So in, in chapters 41 through 47, God responds to their accusation. He shows that the, the exile was divinely ordained by himself and that he is the true God in control of all history. And instead of seeing his hand, they lose faith in him. And he says, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something new. And so in chapters 49 through 55, God introduces a new servant being the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be the suffering servant. The, the servant would restore Israel, would be a light to the world, uh, be empowered by, um, by God's spirit uh, 
it is an amazing thing as we think about this, uh, we get towards Isaiah 50, uh, 53 and see all that he would, he would suffer. He is killed. He is dying on the behalf of the sins of his people. In chapter 53 and verse number 10, it says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see a seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper his hand. And we see that he comes back to life. He lives again for his people. Not only does he die on behalf of his people, he lives again for his people. He justifies, declares us righteous or right with God. The only two responses to this, as are the two responses today to the message of the gospel, into the message of Jesus Christ is humble yourselves, repent and turn to him or reject the message in pride. The only two responses. And those are, uh, those are given to the people. And so that leads us to this last and final section here, which is in part two, which is uh, chapter 56 through uh, 66, where God's servant would one day reign in, uh, in that, that, that final kingdom, and that's an amazing thing. Chapter 60 uh, through 62, the servant gives the good news to the poor. Uh, uh, Isaiah 61 and verse 6, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Do you remember when Jesus stood up and read that? And he said, this day is this fulfilled in your ears. That's really great. That's really great. Praise God. And that's what it, that was going on. And so uh, the, the servant would inherit God's kingdom. He, he would, uh, uh, in, this, in these chapters, chapters 62, uh, 60 through 62, uh, he would reaffirm all the promises of God in the New Jerusalem. Jumping around a little bit here, chapters 59 as well as 63 through 64 are sections of confession and repentance, uh, the importance of that. Chapters 56 through 58, chapters 60, uh, 65 and 66, they contrast the end destiny of the wicked uh, who reject God versus those who trust him for salvation and have eternity with, with, the, with the new creation or in the new creation. And so those are, those are contrasted, the, the choice that is laid out before people. Chapters 56, the first part and the end of chapter 66, uh, all nations of the earth are invited to God and to be a part of his family uh, um, by faith. And I want us to end with this verse, chapter 66 and verse number 23. And it came to pass, it shall come to pass, that from the new moon to another, from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me. You know, God's desire has always been all people to himself. Remember what the Bible says in Isaiah 49 and verse number 6 to Jerusalem. Hey, Jerusalem, people of Israel, my people, I've made thee. I called you. I wanted you to be a light to the Gentiles. I wanted you to be a light to the nations. Remember what it says? And he said, it is, is it a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the, uh, the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be uh, my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Early on, right away in, in Genesis chapter number 15, the Bible tells us that when, when God was promising to make uh, Abraham's family as the sands of the sea, that he also made this promise that through, 
through Abraham's seed, all nations, all families of the earth would be blessed. It was God's heart. How Israel failed. They did more adopting of the ways of the Gentiles than, than, than being a light and shining the truth into the Gentiles' way of living and causing them to be uh, transformed and causing them to turn to God. They did so much more adopting. How many times did they, they begin to worship their idols and to go after the things that the Gentiles worshipped and, and desired and prioritized? It just reminds me that Jesus has once again told us as New Testament believers, we are not, remember, we are not the replacement of Israel. Right? So how God dealt with Israel as a nation, he deals with you and I as an individual. Israel as a nation was to be a light to the Gentiles. And you know what you are individually? You are a light in your community, in your neighborhood, in your place of work, everywhere you go. You are a light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We are a light in that place to to bring the truth. Listen, you can't hide light. And truth always exposes error. And that's why it's so hated in our day. Your very life, your very look as a Christian, your very countenance exposes. It's an amazing thing. It brings conviction. It, it, it is it's the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember what Jesus told us individually. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You and I ought to stick out in this dark society as much as a candle in the pitch black dark of midnight. And why is it that so many times we as Christians try to hide our light, try to blend in with the darkness? Oh no, we cannot do that. He says, you're, you're a light, you're, a, you're, a, you're a set on a hill, it can't be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. They put it in a prominent place in the house, and it give it light unto all that are in the house. And here's the message of Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Isaiah has a huge message of salvation. God longs to save his people, and he longs everyone to know that, that message. It is a message of judgment, but one of hope. And he wanted his people to be a light to the, to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. May we take a cue from them and just remember, as we go out into our Thursday and into our Friday, we have no greater purpose than to shine brightly. And friends, listen, that is not something that I just, that I do that's something that I am to be. I am to be that as I draw closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Brother Ken Fielder said on Sunday night? Do you remember how he said the secret to having compassion on the lost is not trying harder? The secret to being a light is not trying harder. It's getting closer to the light. Um, the bands we passed out at the parade um, our glow bands for the, for the younger kids. And so we had some folks over to our house on, uh, on Monday afternoon and night. We were around the campfire, and uh, I think it was Toby and Sophie. I think it was them. I had my flashlight out, and I was shining it on, on, uh, on their band. And you know what happens when you shine something on something that glows. And it, it, it began to glow just in that spot. 
just in that spot, not on the other side, just in that spot. So they you know, had the, the green and the orange and it was glowing and so, and so on. And uh, it, just, it just struck me that is exactly what we are to be for Jesus. I am not the light. He is the light of the world, right? But as I get close to the light, I have light. And friends, you and I have no light to give the world. What I can do every morning is get close to the light. And what I can do throughout the day is abide in Jesus Christ. That is the secret to having light for them. You as well as me know of walking out into the world completely empty, spiritually empty. You know what I'm talking about? Spiritually empty. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody about anything, and I wish that people just leave me alone and stay out of my way. We know what it is to, to walk out empty, but if we'll get close to the light, we'll read our passage, not just to read, right? Not just to read and, you know, check it off a list, but read to get a truth, read to get something that ignites my heart, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of a different story as I walk out into the world. I, I walk out with something in my heart. I speak from the overflow. I speak because as the song we sang ahead of time, I love to tell a story, and it, it spoke of, of how it, uh, because it's done so much for me is what the song said. It's done so much for me. Well, that's, I'm speaking out of the overflow. I'm speaking because I've been close to the light. I am light because I've been close to the light. And how I just encourage us in the midst of missions, uh, missions month and in this incredibly dark and wicked world, um, be close to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Be the light that he wanted Israel to be. Be the light tomorrow. Be the light tonight. Be the light. And uh, so that they can come to know salvation in the Lord Jehovah, who is salvation. So let's ask him to help us with that. Would you just bow for a moment here and just say, Lord, more than what I want to do for you, more than just you know, wit you know, witnessing to a certain amount of people, I, I, I want to be close to you. I want to know you. I want to be in right relationship with you. songwriter says, draw me nearer, draw me nearer to thy side. Father, I pray that you would help us to be like Jeremiah who decided in his, in his mind that he wasn't going to talk anymore for you, but he, he, he took in your word. And it was like a fire in his heart, and he could not help but speak. Lord, I pray that you would give each person here something tonight and in the morning, some truth about yourself from your word, that would ignite their heart so that they could not help but speak uh, to the world around them as, uh, as they go out into their different locations that you've given them. So help us, Lord. Thank you for these, these lessons from Isaiah. I pray that they would go with us tonight and we'd not soon forget it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.